Hello, I'm Charles Commons, and welcome to episode two of Tech Demand Weekly. We had a fantastic response to our first episode last week with Dave Howe talking about white papers and how you can write them effectively. Please do keep getting in touch with the show via our email address, podcast at tech-demand.com. I've loved reading your feedback on the show, and don't forget to let us know if you have a subject you'd like us to cover in the future, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, then make sure you let me know that as well. This week, we are looking at what you can do with your existing content. According to Karata.com, 29% of leading marketers systematically reuse and repurpose content. But what is repurpose content and how do you do it well? And anytime someone who you know uses your product does something notable, even if they win an award, you know, you might share that information because it may tie back to their product. Focusing on the business stories around using our domain name is a much more effective way for us to get exposure than just talking about our own business. You could repurpose content by taking the same bit of content and presenting it to different target audiences with slight modifications that would appeal specifically to that audience. Jeff Sass is a senior level digital media, marketing and business development executive. He is also an excellent writer with many film and TV credits, as well as his own book, Everything I Know About Business and Marketing, I Learned from the Toxic Avenger. I came across Jeff through an article he wrote on convinceandconvert.com about how repurposing content can take your content strategy from good to great and started by asking him what the difference is between refreshing content and repurposing it. So I think that when you're updating uh, content or refreshing, when you're refreshing content, really you're updating it. So maybe you've written something about Twitter a year or so ago and, and, you know, nothing really changes over time in social media. So now you can take that same thing and maybe uh, freshen it up a little bit, update some of the information and and repurpose the same uh, content or the same concept, um, but with fresher information. So you're kind of updating it. And I think that's what I would call refreshing. Repurposing, I think, is different was where you're taking the same concept of content and then utilizing it in a number of different avenues. So you might take a blog post and have a video that uh, covers the same topic and that supplements the blog post. And you may pull some images from the video and have some still images that you can share. And you might turn that blog post into a Facebook post or LinkedIn and just really spread that same concept and the same core content across a number of different mediums and in different forms. I think that's what repurposing is. Okay. In one of the articles that I read that you've actually written, uh, how repurposing content can take your content strategy from good to great. um, The part of the repurposing content, it's kind of taking advantage of content created by others. Um, So they sort of companies that maybe use your product um, and then they're using it to aid their own marketing. Um, When you're then sort of using their content to then aid yours, is that not just plagiarism in in a sense? (laughs) No, not not at all. Um, I think that that plagiarism is really presenting someone else's content as if it were yours. I think what I'm talking about um, here is taking advantage of content being created by your customers and sharing that content in ways that benefit both you and your customer because you're effectively shining a light at them. And this has proven to be very effective for my business in particular because um, I'm the CMO of Doc Club Domains. We're one of the new top level domain name extensions. So our product is a domain name. So 
naturally the users of our product are businesses and individuals who are using a dot club domain name. So we see tremendous amounts of great content being created by these businesses using a, a dot club domain name. And we're fortunate because when you think of a domain name, if someone's promoting their business, they will typically promote their domain name as well at the end of that advertisement or at the end of the video or whatever it is, because that's how people find them. So we found it very effective to take these great pieces of content created by people using a dot club name and then shining a light on them, sharing them, uh, using them in compilation videos, et cetera, et cetera. And it helps our customers because it gives more exposure to them and their business. And it helps us because it shows people a real working example of our product in use, our product in use by these companies. So I think it's not at all anything to do with the plagiarism and very much involved in shining a light on your customers and highlighting the way they're utilizing and getting benefits from your product or service. Is there like a thin line though between doing that and then, as you said, you know, originally at the start of your answer that, um, you know, plagiarism would be obviously taking something that wasn't yours and then using it without their permission uh, and just full on copying it. Is, is there a thin line? Do you, do you sort of go to those companies that are your clients that, that have those uh, domain names that, that you've basically sold to them and, and ask them to use their material? Or is it something that's kind of already sort of common knowledge between the two parties when the, when the purchasing takes place in the, uh, in the original form? I think it's, you know, if someone's putting out a video promoting their business and, and someone shares that video, I think it's it's well understood that they'd like to get as much exposure for that video as possible. Mm -hmm. So I think that there's not really an issue there. Again, we're not taking their content and presenting it as if it was ours. We're taking their content and saying, hey, here's a company that's doing great things. Take a look at what they're doing. And oh, and by the way, they happen to be using a .club domain name. So I don't think we've ever encountered uh, a company that was unhappy with that. And a lot of times the content that we can repurpose in this fashion comes from news media and press releases and other articles. So one of the things that's been very powerful for us is we use a service called Meltwater. And Meltwater is a media monitoring service. And we have it going out and searching through thousands of publications worldwide for mentions of businesses using a dot club domain name. So we often encounter press releases and news articles, not about us, but about businesses that use a dot club domain. And then those articles become great fodder for content for us. I think in the article you mentioned in Convince and, and uh, Convert, I gave one example, which was a lot of fun. There was a... Um, a boat club in the UK that used the dot club domain name. And they had an incident where some uh, swans attacked some of their model boats and did about a hundred thousand dollars worth of damage to model boats. And that story sort of went viral in the UK because it was kind of funny to have these swans ad attacking boats. Yeah. And of course, every one of those articles mentioned their domain name, which was a dot club domain name. So for us, sharing that article and spreading word about that funny incident in the UK was great content. And at the same time, it was great exposure for us because, again, every mention of that article mentioned their domain name, which had our dot club extension. So those kinds of things, I think it's not anywhere near any issue of plagiarism. And in fact, most of the companies are very happy 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, I think you are right. One of the things that I, I think when I started sort of researching into, um, you know, how to um, and what is repurposing content, um, it was the first article I came across was actually yours on Convince and Convert and that, that story of the boat club. And I did think to myself at the time, that won't have been very funny for the for the old guys that were actually seeing their money going down the swanee, if you like. But then for you to actually use that to then promote your own product, your domain names, and the fact that this boat club use it, I thought was was brilliant. But it, it at the time, I if I'd have seen that article completely out of context to this conversation now, I would never have actually thought to myself, oh, wow, yeah, it's advertising your product, your domain names that you sell. And I, I do think that that's quite, quite clever in a way, that you're using something that has come across from, um, you know, someone that's bought your product and then they turn up in the news that day because of this incident. And then you're able to actually sort of turn that. Not only is it obviously promoting their boating club, but in turn it's promoting you without really intending on promoting yourself. Um, Exactly. And I think that, you know, perhaps we have a slight advantage because our product is a domain name. But I think if you're creative and, and think very you know, carefully about what is your product or service, you might be able to find similar ways. And again, anytime someone who you know uses your product does something notable, even if they win an award, you know, you might share that information because it may tie back to their product. If you're in the apparel world, you might have, uh, you know, great opportunities to promote people who are wearing your apparel, even if they're doing things that have nothing to do with your apparel, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I think you have to be creative Think about what your product is and and what your customers do um, that may be notable. And when it's appropriate, you know, share that, take advantage of it. Another thing we do, Charles, that's been very effective is we'll we'll buy the products from our customers. So we have a number of businesses that use a dot club domain name that sell products or services, and we'll often buy their products and use them as giveaways. So Mm-hmm. If we wanted to do a giveaway in social media or some sort of promotion, instead of giving a you know $100 Amazon gift card like everyone else does, we might <laughs> give away coffee from coffee.club or soap from soap.club or men's underwear from Heine.club. So these are businesses that use a .club domain name that sell products and will literally buy their products from them and use them. Uh, for our own promotion. We use them at trade shows as giveaways, et cetera, et cetera. And that's another effective way. You know, you could utilize your customers' products as ways to promote your own products and services. Okay. Do you think, going back to then to um, you creating your own content, do you think there's a, a, a specific ideal ratio for new content to repurposed? Um, should you have a focus on one or the other, do you think? I think a lot of it, Charles, will depend on on what your core business is and, and what you're trying to accomplish, you know, okay. in, in your own marketing. So it kind of varies. Um, if you have a business that's particularly interesting, you know, you may have a lot of uh, organic content that you create. You know, if you're a manufacturer of something, you know, showing the behind the scenes of that manufacturing, showing the process of getting that product from you know, you know, concept to fruition and delivering it to your customers, there could be all sorts of interesting opportunities for product there. In our case, we probably lean more towards sharing uh, many of our customers' content than our own, because quite frankly, the business of selling domain names is not that sexy. Uh, it's not <laughs> that interesting. Um, 
in and of itself. So, so we find that we get a lot more traction and, and people are much more interested in what people do with the domain name than the process of, of, you know, us owning and selling those domain names. So that's been our strategy and it's worked very well and not just for marketing, but for public relations and, and media too. Again, reporters are not that interested in writing about the domain name business. It's not that, uh, it's not that interesting quite frankly, but, but again, they're very interested in writing about small business stories. They're very interested in writing about interesting business accomplishments. So, so again, focusing on the business stories around using our domain name is a much more effective way for us to get exposure than just talking about our own business. And it's going to vary depending on what your business is. So it's, it's kind of like knowing your audience. We we've had, a uh, I've done a couple of interviews already, uh, with, Dave Howe last week, he was talking about white papers and the most important thing for him was knowing who your audience was um, and who you're going to be aiming your content towards. So so for you, it's kind of, it, yes, it's about knowing the audience, but it's also about knowing your own product as well and, and how you can actually go about marketing that product. And, and for you, that's actually through using um, customers that, that use your product to, to advertise on your behalf almost. Yeah. And, and knowing your audience, too, is, is a good point uh, you make, Charles, relative to repurposing content, too, because, you know, in today's world where we have so many opportunities to very specifically target our marketing efforts, you could repurpose content by taking the same bit of content and presenting it to different target audiences with slight modifications that would appeal specifically to that audience. So if you have the same video and you're sharing it, maybe in one targeted version, the copy or the text that accompanies that video will be slightly different uh, based on the target audience that you're sharing at that time. And then later on, you could share the same piece of content, the same video, but with a different introductory text that's targeting a different audience, you know? So you might be going after the marketing crowd in one case, or you might be going after startups and entrepreneurs in another case. And even if the content itself is the same, you can wrap it differently based on the target audience and make it appeal more to them. Thanks, Jeff. We'll be back with you in a moment when we'll talk more about repurposing content. Tech Demand is a B2B platform who specialize in connecting organizations with their customers. Tech Demand create unique and engaging specialist content which is evergreen for generating campaign success. Visit the website tech-demand.com to discover how Tech Demand can help you. You're listening to Tech Demand Weekly with me, Charles Commons. This week I'm speaking with Jeff Sass all about repurposing your content. So to start off the second half of this interview, I asked Jeff how many times he felt that you can repurpose old content. Jay Bear, for example, says he can turn one five-minute video into as many as 11 different pieces of content. Surely there can be too much. Well, I think, you know, Jay is a, a pretty smart guy, and I think he's right. I think there's opportunities, especially if you think of it creatively, to take the same piece of content or content concept and, and use it in multiple ways. We talked about it a little bit earlier, from a video to a blog post to social media posts to a white paper to you know, all different versions of that same uh, core content. But I also think another thing to remember, um, and I think you know, even I don't do this enough, is you can repurpose content by using the same content again in different time parts, um, especially social media content. Because when, when you think of social media, whether it's Twitter or Facebook or Instagram, it really doesn't matter. LinkedIn now with their news feed, um, 
you have to think of it as, as a, a, a river, right? It's a flowing river, a flowing stream of content. And, and a river, when you think about it, there's always water. If you're standing on the shore in the same spot, there's always water in the river in front of you, but it's never the same bit of water. That water is constantly moving by. And just because you shared something at 10 a.m., it uh, doesn't mean that anyone saw it. And if you share that same piece of content at two in the morning or 3 a.m. or at other different time parts, you have the opportunity to reach um, different audiences. So part of the concept of repurposing, I think, is also um, repeating content. And I think it's it's counterintuitive because most of us, you know, feel like once you've said something, you've said it. But mm-hmm. when you throw something out there in social media, it's very deceiving. We, we, we may have thousands of followers, but that doesn't mean based on the way the algorithms work that when you post something, 100% of your followers see it at that moment. In fact, an incredibly small percentage of your followers actually see things when you post them. So repeating posts in different time parts is a very valid uh, strategy and, and will increase the reach of your content. I, th- I think that probably works quite well. Into I write a, a very small blog about my running exploits, and although I release each blog every Sunday night at six pm here in the UK, I often will see, uh, and, and that will go straight onto Twitter. There'll be a, an advert on Twitter, kind of showing people the link, and the same on Facebook as well for me. Um, but by the end of the week, when I then go back and look at the analytics of it all to sort of see, well, when did people actually view it and where, there's people from different parts of the world that have actually just just come across my blog and decided to click the link and, and view it. And if they're in the United States, eight hours, five hours behind or in front of me where when I've posted it, for me, it's six o'clock in the evening on a Sunday. But for yourselves in, in America, it'll be, you know, mid-afternoon or even the morning possibly by the time that they actually when they actually see it so I did do a little bit of a um, an experiment where I I initially launched the the post out into the world at 6 p.m on the Sunday but then I set it up so that there would be another sort of post going out there to direct people to that that blog post about six hours later so my time it was midnight Sunday night Monday morning but of course, it's around about six o'clock somewhere else in the world for, for them to see it. And it is interesting when you then look at the analytics back and you see, actually, at those points, you do get more people viewing. Um, and so maybe if you are putting uh, your original content out at one time, but then repeating it again throughout the day or throughout the week, just to catch different people, you'll get more people actually seeing your content. And then hopefully getting that call to action of going back, visiting a website or, or or reading a white paper that you've got there, or hopefully then purchasing your product. Absolutely. And I think you have to think in terms of where your target audience is situated. So, you know, we have a very global business, you know, with the uh, club domains are mm-hmm. popular all over the world from China to Germany, to France, to Korea, to Japan. So, so literally it's a 24 hour, time cycle for us, you know, and when it's 9am here in Fort Lauderdale, where I'm based, it's 9pm in, in Beijing, where we have customers too. So there's absolutely the opportunity to be posting things around a 24 hour cycle and reaching different time segments. But if you're uh, marketing specifically to North America, for example, then you want to time your things accordingly. But that doesn't mean during business hours. You know, I think there've been a number of studies that have shown that actually when a lot of people engage with social media, it's not first thing in the morning. It's it's 
in the evenings and sometimes even late at night. I'm very surprised when we get reactions to content from Europe um, at 10 or 11 p.m. Uh, here in the East Coast when it's you know quite late mm-hmm. uh, overseas, yet people are still up and uh, late at night. Maybe they've had a few adult beverages and they're now going through their social media feeds and reacting to things. So do you have a favorite content tool that you use to repurpose older content with? Uh, you, you talked before about, obviously, you have a, a, was it a piece of software that sort of trawls through the internet and picks out um, where your domain names are mentioned? And, and then you can then instantly go out there again and republish it on, on your website or through your, your content tools. Is there, is there a favorite th- way of doing it for you? Yeah, I think we have a few tools that I, that I like very much. So that tool that you referenced is called Meltwater. And it's actually, it's, it's not a bit of software. It's, it's software as a service. It's, it's a service that you subscribe to that gives okay. you access to a database. And you could set up different keywords and search terms. And it searches media impressions. So it particularly looks for media impressions based on the keywords or the search terms that you've set up. And, and we use that literally on a daily basis. Every morning I get a report of all the mentions of, of a .club domain name in publications around the world. And we scour that report for interesting bits of content uh, that we can share, new businesses that we'd never discovered before that are using a .club domain. So Meltwater has been very valuable to us. When it comes to content creation and in particular video content creation, mm. I'm a big fan of Animoto. Um, And I've been using it across different companies for over 10 years. Um, Animoto, A-N-I-M-O-T-O.com. And Animoto makes it very easy to create uh, professional looking and proper videos formatted in different sizes. So you can do square videos for Instagram and other social media platforms. It's very easy to add text and music. Um, and really create a great marketing video. It's also very, very effective if you have lots of still images and want to turn those still images into a video. Um, and Animoto is a tool that we use pretty regularly as well. So th- those are probably my two favorite uh, content creation tools. And there are a few other video platforms I've, I've experimented with. I've done a few videos recently with something called Revio, R-E-E-V-I-O. Yeah. Um, and um, that's been very effective as well. So I think there are, there are a lot of, you know, the opportunities to create content now are, are easier than ever in terms of the physical tools. Obviously, it's always a challenge to figure out what content to create and to create it in a way that's compelling and tells a great story. That's the hard part. The physical uh, execution of content creation is easier than it's ever been. But uh, the creation, the creative process behind it, that will never change and that will always be a challenge. So with social media now the top tool for marketing purposes, uh, that's according to the Content Marketing Institute's report from this year. Uh, Platforms now such as Twitter, LinkedIn and YouTube leading marketing professionals to focus on how they repurpose their content rather than creating new material, do you think? Uh, You know, I I don't think so because I think that, um, you know, while, while it's easy to, and, and perhaps if one gets lazy, there's an inclination to like a bunch of things and share a, uh, you know, share a bunch of posts and feel like you've contributed your content for the day. But the reality is, you know, it's all about telling a compelling story that's going to get someone's interest. And I think, uh, you know, those stories are always going to be important. And I think that, uh, as I mentioned before, the tools to create are very available now and accessible. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it puts more pressure on creative marketers to focus on, you know, what's going to be a compelling story 
How can I put that story together? Um, how can I leverage it across multiple mediums from the written word to video, to still images, to audio? We didn't talk about audio, but of course, we're recording an audio podcast mm -hmm. right now. Audio is becoming increasingly important. Um, it's always been very valuable uh, as an outlet because people listen to things and they can listen while they're doing other things, whether it's driving or running or working out. And of course, now with all of these uh, voice activated devices in the home, uh, it's changing the way we think about audio from a marketing perspective, too. So I think that uh, audio is going to be increasingly important as well. So I think, uh, you know, the fact that all these things exist and, and social media makes it easy to share in some respects puts more pressure on creative marketers to to think big and to think creatively and to think about how can I take something that's uh, compelling and then repurpose it and recreate it for all of these different platforms and all of these different types of media. So it's not necessarily a case of um, you just copying and pasting um, uh, an article. We go back to the, the article about the boating club from before. It's not just necessarily a case of seeing that article and then copying it, pasting it onto your, your website and then sending it out across the social media landscape for, uh, for your audience to see. You actually want to then turn that content into your own by creating something new using that existing piece of material. Is that, is that right? That's certainly often the case. And in fact, that's the case that brought us together, right? Because mm -hmm. I took that article about the boats and the boat club and, and, and helped that shape an article for Convince and Convert about repurposing content. So, so that's an example in and of itself of, of what you've just described, where, you know, yes, we did share the news reports of that incident mm -hmm. um, straightforward right from the publications because that adds authority and people want to see it in the Telegraph or whatever the publication was. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, we use that story to create new content, like the article you read in Convince and Convert. So I think you have to do a little bit of both. Um, and sometimes, you know, in that case, in retrospect, thinking of it now, I probably could have created some funny images and or videos of geese and boats, you know, and swans and boats that I could have used and linked those to the article as well. So you don't necessarily think then that the future is going to be just simply repurposing of content. It's always going to be something new that is going to have to be created in order to keep your marketing moving forwards and reaching new audience, uh, new prospects um, and, and, and keep your product alive, so to speak. Yeah, I think I think the fact that that virtually everyone in a business is walking around with a production studio in their product now, and that almost every employee at every company now has some basic video and photography skills uh, and capabilities opens up some tremendous opportunities to bring the world behind the scenes of your business in ways that have not been easy before. And I think those kinds of stories are attractive to consumers. You know, if you're buying a product understanding a little bit more about where that product came from, how it was made, what was the, the creative process that caused the founders to come up with it in the first place. Those are all really interesting stories that in the past were not that easy to tell. Today, it's very easy to take your customers behind the scenes, show them what your office looks like, show them the manufacturing. We're doing that with, with Doc Club. It's going to be an interesting experiment, but we just moved into new office space and it's big enough for us to have our company and several other companies. So we decided to turn it into a little bit of a, 
a co-working space and incubator, and we've branded the whole thing startups.club. So okay. it promotes our .club domain extension. And we've actually made a deal with a production company to be there pretty much every working day during working hours. And we're going to capture the activities and the stories of the different startups that are working in our office with us and put together a little documentary series, you know, following the journey of these startups in an incubator co-working space situation. So that kind of thing would not have been accessible to us a few years ago, but today um, the cost of creating that kind of content is much more reasonable and we can, um, we can afford to do it. And also I think people are more open to uh, being filmed in regular situations now because of social media, because of, you know, the selfie society <laughs> we live in. So it's going to be an interesting experiment um, that will generate a great amount of content that hopefully will benefit us. My thanks to Jeff Sass. You can check out the teaser trailer for his upcoming TV series on his website, startups.club. That's it for this week's episode. Next week, I'm speaking to Joe Lazowskis about the power of brand storytelling. You can contact the show at podcast at tech-demand.com. And if you do one thing this week, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Thanks for listening. See you again next week.